Girlfriends, episode number 182, Taking on the World with Olivia Colombo. Hello and welcome to Girlfriends. I'm Danielle Bean. I'm a wife and a mom, and I'm on a mission to help you know your worth as a woman so you can find peace, balance, and joy in family living. This week, I am talking with a young woman that you are going to be glad that you got to meet in this way. Olivia Colombo is joining me on the show today. I can't wait to get started. Let's go. Hey, girlfriends, welcome to the show. Welcome to this newest episode of the Girlfriends Podcast. I'm always glad when you're able to join me here, always glad to be able to connect through the podcast in this way. So happy that you're joining me. If you're a first-time listener, welcome to Girlfriends. We hope you're going to enjoy your time here and want to spend a lot more time with the Girlfriends community. If you're a long-time listener, thank you for showing up yet again, giving me that vote of confidence just by putting in those earbuds and taking a listen this week. So last week, I shared with you that I was going to be running a half marathon with my daughter, Juliet. I've been sharing with you about that on the podcast as we been training, as we've been talking about it, as we've been planning for it. Well, it happened. So if you follow me on social media, you already know this because I shared some photos. We actually got a great photo of the two of us at the finish line, which was so fun to finish that race together. On the whole, it went really well. And I was really um, impressed with both of us. I was so proud of both of us that we worked hard and we accomplished this goal together. We ran together. It was a really hot day. So like 90 degrees by the time we were finishing, it was so humid and the sun in some parts of that course were just was just brutal. But we did it and I'm thrilled. And so I want to encourage you, if you have older children who are able to take on something like that or even something smaller, maybe just running a 5K or um, doing some other project, maybe climbing a mountain or something that's near you or whatever it is, I want to encourage you to take on those kinds of challenges with your kids because it was a super positive experience for me with my daughter and just for me personally. And um, I'm already thinking about other things we might want to do together and things that I can do with others of my kids that align with their interests. So um, just a recommendation for you moms out there to be looking for those kinds of opportunities to kind of take on a project like that, especially as your children grow older, the opportunities increase. You have, you know, they have different interests and there are ways you can participate in those sometimes perhaps. Um, and they're able to do more things. So as your kids get older, I find it's a really fun way to connect with your kids, even as they're growing up, even as, you know, Juliet doesn't live here most of the year. She's just home for the summer. So kind of a nice way for us to connect and have a shared goal and enjoy something and mission accomplished together, kind of have that victory together. So I want to encourage you to do that. Speaking of young adults, you're not going to believe this young lady that I have on the show today, Olivia Colombo. I got to meet her when I was at Catholic TV filming The Gist a few weeks ago. And um, she does a podcast called To the Heights, and she actually records it um, in partnership with Catholic TV. It's the first podcast they've kind of experimented with there. And she's just fantastic. I can't even begin to describe all the things that she does, but you'll get to know a little bit about that in the interview here. But, you know, I came away from our conversation just feeling like, you know what? The kids are all right. 
<laughs> Not that every kid is as together as Olivia is, um, but there's a lot of good stuff going on in the church. And there is a lot of youth and energy and enthusiasm that is very encouraging to see, especially for some of us who sometimes are tempted to become jaded, roll our eyes about, you know, the abuse crisis in the church or about lethargy or about people, you know, not attending mass or not raising their kids in the faith or um, some of us who have young adult children who've left the faith. We do talk about that. Um, You know, I just find that it's easy to go in either direction. You can focus on all the negative and downward spiral from there, or you can look for these rays of light, and Olivia is one of those for sure. You probably have some in your own community, maybe fortunately even in your own household, young people who are doing good things, who are a powerful, positive force for the good inside of the church. I think it's really helpful to connect with these people and be encouraged by their very presence, by their very existence. Know that we're not in this alone. And those, you know, those of you who are in my generation or even um, a generation before or even a little bit younger, we don't have to do this all by ourselves, this whole church thing. We are raising up the next generation and there are young people who are full of youth and energy and enthusiasm and ready to just take on the world and do a positive thing. That's why I called this episode Taking on the World because I feel like that's what Olivia Colombo is doing and that's what I really, you know, that's my goal for my kids is to to raise them up so that they feel like they can do that. Um, not everybody's going to do it exactly the ways that Olivia is, but using your gifts and your talents in the way that God intends for you to. Um, Ultimately, that's what I want my children as they're getting older and as they're becoming young adults and, you know, taking on jobs and getting married and growing up in various ways. That's what I want them to know, that they can so take on the world, even if it's just the world of their own little home and family, that they can do that. And I, I love the positivity and the enthusiasm that Olivia really brings to the conversation. So I hope you're going to enjoy this talk that I had with Olivia recently. I can't wait to introduce her to you. So here we go. Hey, everybody. Welcome to Girlfriends. I'm excited because today I have a special guest joining me. Olivia Colombo is joining me here on Girlfriends today. Olivia Colombo, if you haven't heard of her, you are going to hear from her in the coming years. She's an up and coming. She calls herself a change maker with the goal to inspire. Olivia speaks at schools around the country about the environment and community service. She gives witness talks about her Catholic faith and identity as a daughter of God at churches. She cleans beaches, plants gardens, sells her art for causes, films passion-filled videos, marches for life, and illustrates books. And then she says, no matter what I do, my goal is to better the world with every step I take and inspire others to do the same. And did I mention that she's only 18? Yes, you heard that right. She just finished her freshman year at Boston College. We are so thrilled to have you here with us on Girlfriends today, Olivia. Thank you for having me. I'm so inspired by you. I mean, I just love looking through your website. I was trying to put together a bio for you, and I'm like, this girl does everything. And (laughs) she's still just a girl. I mean, of course, you're a a mature young woman. uh, But at the same time, amazing. So maybe just to get us started, Olivia, let let people know a little bit about your family and your your upbringing in the faith. What was that like? Sure. Um, So I grew up just outside of Worcester, Massachusetts. Um, I went to a parish school my whole childhood. Um, So my family was super involved in just the parish life and the school life. And, you know, every, all of your teachers were at school all week and then mass on Sunday. And it was just so fun and vibrant. Um, and then at some point we moved 
to be a little bit closer to the rest of my family. So we moved closer to Cape Cod. I live on the South shore of Massachusetts now. Mm-hmm. Um, and we, uh, I don't know that we didn't have the parish school set up. So it was a little bit harder finding our faith here. Um, but eventually I stumbled into an amazing life teen program, um, that carried me through high school and just transformed my faith. Um, and now I'm studying theology because of it. That's so, amazing. Yeah. yeah. And I think I heard on a recent podcast of yours, we need to, first of all, talk about the podcast, but <laughs> that you were thinking you were going to go into engineering. Maybe you could talk a little bit about what that switch was like. Yes. Yeah. Um, so when I was really little, I thought that I was going to be an artist. Um, I started studying art at the Worcester Art Museum when I was in kindergarten mm-hmm. and totally thought that I was going to be a great master artist or whatever I thought I was going to be mm-hmm. um, for most of my life. And then in middle school, I discovered engineering and robotics and computer science. Um, I So I actually graduated high school early because I took so many online computer science classes mm-hmm. um, that I just, I loved that world. I, I don't know, I won a few national titles for engineering projects, um, was doing the whole science fair thing. Mm-hmm. Um, and I thought that I was going to work for NASA because aeronautical engineering and astrophysics really, really interest me. Um, and then I found my way into environmental science, which I think bridged the gap to where I am now, the kind of social justice side of environmental science and environmental justice. I got involved with Dr. Jane Goodall, the one who did all the work with chimpanzees in right. Africa. And I became and still am a youth leader for her um, youth service organization, Roots and Shoots. Okay. So I became a national leader for that and got to do so many amazing things with her organization, which is just so like youth filled and um, Dr. Jane is a UN messenger of peace. So it's all very peace driven. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was really awesome. And then eventually I ended up in theology. So I went into BC as a physics and theology double major. Mm-hmm. Um, I was still holding on to the physics part of me because I do really enjoy physics and environmental science, but I like where the two of them cross over. Um, yeah. even like the, the papers I've published papers in different science journals, that's always like, I never know where to put it because it's a crossover between environmental science and physics. And I thought I could be a physicist and the physics class was very hard and very not for me. Mm-hmm. So I very quickly, within two weeks of getting to BC, found myself as theology and environmental science and then added on a minor in journalism. Wow. So who knows where that's going to take me. But, yeah, that's exciting yeah. to think about, though. Um, and then I think, you know, I just get the we met in person briefly yeah. anyway at Catholic mm-hmm. TV um, where you record your podcast. Maybe you can tell us a little bit about that initiative because you do so many things. You've had such a varied background, even at such a young age. What made you decide to start a podcast called To the Heights, right? Yes. Um, the podcast idea, and I think I told you when we ran into each other at Kathy TV, I so I actually had a little short stint of a podcast in high school when I took a broadcast journalism class. Mm-hmm. Um, and it was more of the environmental science side of what the To the Heights podcast could be. It's the idea of interviewing a different person every episode who is doing something to make change in the world. And this particular episode, I interviewed different environmental activists. Um, it was called the Be the Change podcast and only lasted like two episodes or enough to satisfy <laughs> whatever assignment. And then when I got to college, um, I started writing for BC's Catholic newspaper, The Torch, Mm -hmm. um, which I'm actually the campus news editor of now. And I was interviewing all of these crazy, amazing people um, like Sister Bethany from the Daughters of St. Paul or um, Tommy Ty and Steve the Missionary from Repent and Submit on Catholic TV. I was running into so many people who just like, 
I was getting to record conversations with them on like a little fancy newspaper journalist recorder right? um, and capture these amazing conversations. And then I would have to sit down and listen to them and try and make that into a 500 word article and nothing can capture the joy and faithfulness in some of these people's voices. Right. So I thought there had to be a platform to take these interviews and make them available to the public so that people could hear their stories, not necessarily in a polished newspaper article, but in like an authentic conversation, sharing how people are grappling with things in their own life and reaching to the heights. Wow. Oh, that's beautiful. And maybe share where you got that um, title from, the, yes, the name of yeah. it. So it's named after a quote from Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frassati, um, which in Italian is Verso Lealto. Um, he was a 23-year-old saint um, who dedicated his life to service. He served the homeless without anyone knowing. He um, is one of the few saints that his parents were around um, for the beatification mass. Um, and at his funeral, his parents were shocked at all of these homeless people who kept like coming and packing the church. And it was all of the people who he had kind of secretively helped or like had given his coat to on his way home from school. But he was a mountain climber um, and a student. And that whole mountain climbing, like climbing to the heights is where he found a lot of his spirituality. Wow. Yeah. And I like the crossover too, that um, the kind of cross meaning of to the heights, but like aiming for sainthood, right? Like, Mm -hmm. that's so great. Um, So where can people find that? Uh, so it is on Spotify, iTunes, and then you can find it on the Catholic TV website, or um, it is podbean.catholictv.com. Nice. Um, yeah. Okay. So interesting. So that's been like kind of your newest endeavor, but you have these ongoing other endeavors. Um, I want to talk a little bit about your pro-life activism. Um, one of the podcasts I listened to, you were interviewing, now I'm forgetting her name, the president of Students for Life. Kristen Hawkins. Yeah. Yes. Amazing. Great interview. Um and, and you shared a little bit about kind of the controversy on campus when she visited. How do you navigate that, especially on a Catholic campus, which I know, you know, many Catholic yeah. campuses, there is a variety of opinions there. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that that has been an ongoing struggle. Even my high school, though, being a Catholic high school was not completely pro-life. Um, right. I had to fight pretty hard to start the pro-life group at my high school. I remember that being a little bit of a challenge, not so much on the side, like, of course, the nuns who ran the school were going to approve it, right? Um, right. but not from the administration side, but rather the students pushing back a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I started going to the March for Life, I think my first year of high school, the first year that I was allowed to go with the Archdiocese of Boston. Um, and I really fell in love with the March for Life and being able to see how many people um we're really on our side. Because when you're alone at school, it feels like there's no one there. But when you get to the top to the Capitol building, and you turn back down that hill, and you see millions and millions of people marching behind you, right? Like, it's crazy. It's a crazy feeling. Um, So from there, I did a little bit of work with the Massachusetts Citizens for Life. Um, I went to their different student summer academies. um, And just kept going with we, I don't know, raise money for different pregnancy um, crisis pregnancy homes and things like that. And then when I got to BC, I got involved in the pro-life student group there, and I'm actually on the executive board for next year. Um, but it is definitely a challenge with all of those. Um, like we had a huge protest when Kristen Hawkins came in the spring to speak all different, some of my friends, it was very startling to walk into the room and see like some of my other, I'm in the liturgical choir and Mm -hmm. to see other liturgical choir members wearing like the pink, um, pro-choice feminist shirts. Oh gosh. Like you're protesting something that's so near and dear to me. And yet we sit next to each other in choir at mass. Wow. Um, 
so kind of grappling with that. Mm-hmm. Um, it was quite the night. There was a lot of, there was an open Q and a at the end. Um, and every single person except the last person was a pro-choice person asking a question. And it typically wasn't necessarily out of love. It was out of, or like actually wanting to know the answer, answer to the question. It was just like combative. Yeah. yeah. Um, and then the last question was another one of my liturgical choir friends who's pro-life and she started to cry and she looked at Kristen Hawkins and said, how do you do this? And how do you put up with all the hate? And the room just went silent because they saw this freshman girl crying who's pro-life. And like, it was just so much conversation became of that. Like we need to take care of each other. We all need to be pro-life in that way and take care of each other and stand by each other. Mm -hmm. So the pro-choice feminist group actually teamed up with the pro-life club after that. And we're working on different, um, like pregnant, pregnant and parenting students on campus campaigns. So something good did come out of all that. Oh, that's wonderful. That's really great. I I think that's so powerful. And, you know, having been in in my college years, I was president of the the pro-life group at my Catholic Mm -hmm. college. And I do remember that those were the best events. Like you would have controversies and we did cause uproars sometimes, but really the the best fruit that came out of that group I found was when we were coming together and trying to support especially pregnant students on campus or you know young moms on campus who are trying to finish their degree that felt yeah. so powerfully pro-life and so positive mm-hmm. for sure yeah yeah so um so maybe tell me about um, you know, there are a lot of moms that are listening who are moms <laughs> of girls your age, and I'm one of them. So maybe what do you think about your generation? I mean, it, like, especially inside of the church, what have been your observations about perhaps the way, you know, kids of your generation approach their faith as opposed to previous generations? Yeah, that's, yeah, that's a big question. So I worked in, so this life teen program that I got involved in, I ended up working there on the core team, which is kind of the leadership team Mm -hmm. for my final few years there, um, kind of as like a junior youth minister. Um, And youth ministry has always been a passion of mine. Just the other week, I think like the day after I saw you at Catholic TV, I left for, to go serve on an Archdiocese of Boston teen retreat. Wow. Um, So cool because I went to the retreat every year as a teen. Oh, cool the staff, which is very cool. So I do get to see a lot of teens in youth ministry. Um, and I think my generation is left a little bit hurting by a lot of different struggles. Um, and I just, the word like thirsting comes to mind, like we're thirsting for truth. We don't want the watered down faith. We want the true full blown, um, truth of the faith and even more deep than, previous generations have seen it like in different particular life teen circles. I've seen kids like it's full on like first Corinthians kids praying in tongues, praying over each other, healing each other, um, all through the Holy spirit prophesying. Um, like those full blown gifts are real and still available to each of us who are confirmed. Um, and we just want the truth and we want the full fullness of that truth. Um, especially when my generation is left with, I don't know, we were the first ones to kind of grow up with technology, the Mm -hmm. cyberbullying era. Um, and that can be rough. Like, I don't know, my mom always says that whenever like the stress of the school day and the kids not being nice to each other or whatever, like you dealt with that when you went to school in the morning. And then when you left in the afternoon, you could leave it at school, but that doesn't happen. Even the stress of school, like my professors have access to me 24 hours a day right? and email me homework at 10 PM. That's due the next morning at my 9am class and it's expected to be done. 
because mm-hmm. we're always connected. Right. Um, and that's a lot of stress and a lot of pressure. And obviously mental illness is rampant in my generation as well. Mm-hmm. So we're, we're looking for that healing, I think more than other generations. And we just so badly want it. Right. I, I love that you describe it like that, like thirsting for the truth, because that's, you know, ultimately what every human being is is meant to yeah. be doing, right? But when we're so caught up in these distractions and technology, you can feel like you're experiencing the truth, but maybe not, you know, mm-hmm. um, not authentic connections with other people. I think that's really valuable insight. What, what would you say to moms um, whose young adult children have left the faith? Because I, I hear from them every day. And let me tell you, it is heartbreaking. Yeah. It is heartbreaking to, you know, try your best to raise your child in the faith and they choose otherwise when they're, they're old enough to. Um, but do you have any words of encouragement or advice for somebody who's in that situation? For sure. I think, I think my immediate answer is to keep witnessing to them. Mm-hmm. A lot of, I feel like a lot of what I've seen in youth ministry is what works is not straight up evangelization, like that doesn't really work anymore. The new evangelization is based off of relational evangelization. So like followers of Christ have that light in their eyes and that's something special. That's something that something that makes other people around them go like, what do you have? Because I want that. Mm-hmm. Um, so to keep their own prayer lives strong, to pray for their kid and to make sure that they're overflowing with the Holy Spirit so that their kid can turn around and see like, look at that peace when they hit a rough time, like, look at that peace that my mom or my dad has, like, look how strong they are and confident that they, they are in their identity as a son or a daughter of God. Right. So when they're not confident in their own identity, they have an identity to fall back on. For yeah. sure. Oh, that's, that's great advice. And I think that's very encouraging and hopeful. And uh, very much along the lines of what you've been sharing about your own work, like, be the change, right? Be mm-hmm. that. You want to yes. see that change, then be that. Be that example. That's that's a beautiful witness. Um, can yeah. you tell us a little bit about your art? You've mentioned it a little bit. And, um, you know, if people go to your website, oliviaroseart.com, um, what, what will they find there? Um, I've been painting for my whole life, but one of my most favorite things to do, um, I, I always just call it art for good. Whenever I'm using art for something, I don't know, for the greater glory of God, like I've worked on different tapestries and murals at different churches in the Archdiocese of Boston, or last summer I painted a series of murals in the children's rooms at, um, the homeless shelter down the street from my high school. Um, Mm -hmm. one of my favorite all time projects is I've been a missionary in Haiti, um, a few times at this amazing organization called Haiti 180, which has a super special place in my heart. Um, and is where I would say a lot of conversion moments for me happened, but there's this man named John Simone, um, who I think in the first episode of my podcast, we talked about him a little bit, but he's a paralyzed man and he's in the hut in the like his hut is about the size of one of our closets. Like it is so small. He was in a motorcycle accident and he's paralyzed from the neck down. Um, and he just had a radical conversion and just, he has that light in his eyes, that thing that like you look at him and you're like, even though you're paralyzed and like, I don't know, you could be so upset and depressed. Like I want what you have because you have radical joy, but I had the opportunity to paint a mural above his head. Um, he had this old, door in the rafters of his um, house. Because in Haiti, a lot of the times what happens is the last thing someone does before they retire is they buy their coffin. And we call it going up the mountain. So when um, a parent 
is forced to make the decision between feeding their kid and feeding their parent, their elderly parent who can't work anymore, they oftentimes choose to feed the kid. And thus, once the elderly parent decides to retire, they go up the mountain, they take their coffin and they go to a small hut. Um, and the coffin is in the rafters above their head. Um, so they look at it. It's the first thing they see when they wake up and the last thing they see when they go to bed. And eventually when they die, and they usually die alone, um, when someone finds them, they can just put them in the coffin. And they typically bury them underneath the hut, um, which is why Haiti 180 started several um, hospice homes, which are no longer hospice homes because they found that once kids started visiting them, once they started feeding them and giving them a purpose in life again, they stopped dying. Wow. <laughs> They're like nursing homes that shouldn't even be called nursing homes because the people there are so youthful and joyful. Um, That's amazing. On that piece of wood that would have held John Simone's coffin, I got to give new life to that piece of wood um, and design a whole mural um, of Mary and Jesus and the crucifix um, and so many other religious imagery. And we took a bunch of Polaroid pictures of us and our mission group and him receiving communion and things like that and taped it up above his head. So it's little projects like that that Mm -hmm. just bring so much joy. Oh, that is beautiful. I love that. And I I love that you shared your work in Haiti, because I was going to ask you about that. Um, Of all these different projects that you've been involved in, you mentioned the Jane Goodall, you mentioned some environmental projects, you mentioned, you know, the Haiti project. Mm -hmm. Um, What's what's been something that stands out to you as something that you definitely want to further explore in your future? Um, Probably Haiti. I, I even considered between high school and college taking a year off and just spending that year in Haiti. Mm-hmm. Um, the country of Haiti has something very, very special. Um, and I for sure learned so much about radical joy and living authentically there than I did anywhere else. Um, and so I would say Haiti for sure. But also when we came back from Haiti, one of the first times we thought to ourselves, like, this this can't end here. Like, it can't just be something we did for a few weeks and that we might go back to Haiti again sometime in our lives. Like, we have to continue living this message here. So we found, um, it's called the Engagement Center. It's a tent, uh, like a temporary structure tent in Boston mm-hmm. between um, several homeless shelters on what's nicknamed the Methadone Mile. Um, and it's where drug addicts and homeless people can go during the day and it's warm in the winter. They sometimes have coffee, a little bit of food, but they have computers with working internet, places they can charge their phones um, and things like that. And it's just a safe um, substance-free zone for them to go and warm up. Mm-hmm. Um, and we started working there every other Saturday um, and just just going and just talking. Um, the whole relational evangelization thing, bringing a guitar and singing with them or just chatting And I have so many people that I would consider friends who I know by name and I see every other week um, who are homeless in Boston. And I've just learned so, so much from them. I feel like I get so much life from those opportunities, like just living in Haiti and living in an orphanage and just hanging out with the kids all day, um, walking the streets around the village, talking to people um, or being in the city in Boston with all of these homeless people who have truly incredible stories and incredible drive. Mm -hmm. Wow, that's beautiful. And I love that you describe it as kind of relational and person to person, because, you know, that's how so many great saints, you know, I'm thinking of, of course, Mother Teresa and um, Blessed Pierre um, Giorgio, who you mentioned. Um, Among those saints, who are some of your favorites? Of course, you've already mentioned Blessed Pierre Giorgio Frasati, but do you have others that inspire you? 
I do. Um, so he is a definite favorite. Um, Teresa Lasso is one of my favorites. Um, my middle name Rose. My middle name is Rose, and I've always had people tell me that they like remind me of Therese or I remind them of Therese or like mm-hmm. I have similarities with her. Um, so I feel like she's definitely like a spiritual sister. Um, and she's obviously, she's the patron of Catholic TV. So Bishop yes. Reed are always talking about her and her relics are like five feet from where I record That's my right. podcast. Right. Exactly. That's um, so great. So cool. Um, St. Francis is actually my confirmation name, which I don't know. I took the name of a boy, which is kind of scandal. Like, um, I took him as he's like the patron saint of environmental related things. Right. But he, I feel like he's taught me so much about poverty and I've, I have so many good Franciscan friends who I've learned so, so much from. I think they're two of my favorites and St. Maria Goretti for sure is a favorite. Mm -hmm. Um, being, she was the youngest saint until one of the Fatima seers was canonized. Um, but she's incredible. Just like brave and bold and courageous and self-giving mm-hmm. sure. and, and a powerful story of forgiveness. Like just, yes. I remember reading that as a young girl and just being like, unbelievable. Like, mm-hmm. yeah. So, oh, great, great role models, great inspiration, <laughs> but you inspire me, Olivia. I love everything you're doing. I can't wait to see what you do in the future before we have to say goodbye. Maybe just let us know one thing. What What's, what's in the works for you? What's the next thing? Hmm. Well, season two of the podcast is going to be in the fall. Um, so that's something exciting to look forward to. And I have some videos in the work at Catholic TV and I've started reporting recently. So I'm an official Catholic TV reporter. If you tune into this is the day. Oh my gosh. I love it. That is so great. Well, we'll be watching Catholic TV for that. We'll be tuning in at to the Heights podcast and um, is the best place for people to go your website. So oliviarosart.com. Yes. To, yep. Then you can connect to all your social media and all the different projects you have going on, right? Yes, for sure. Absolutely. Great. Well, we'll be checking you out there. Thank you so much, Olivia, for taking time to talk with us here at Girlfriends today. Thank you for having me. Do you find it difficult to enter into the mysteries of the rosary? What about personally applying them to your life? Drawing from the writings of the saints, the Bible, in Catholic tradition, Matt Frat has produced Pocket Guide to the Rosary, a masterful work that teaches Catholics how to truly meditate on the mysteries of the Rosary, how to pray the Rosary like the saints, and so much more. If you're looking to deepen your prayer life and improve the way you pray what St. Padre Pio called the weapon of our times, we invite you to check out Pocket Guide to the Rosary by Matt Frad. To order, visit ascensionpress.com or Amazon. Now it's time for a little bit of feedback. So first, I'm going to beg you for your feedback, as I always do. You know what to do. Send me an email, danielle at daniellebean.com. Send me a voicemail at that same email address. Connect with me on Voxer or on social media. I am Danielle Bean on Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. Instagram is really where I have been connecting with a lot of people more recently, and I'm enjoying kind of growing my presence there. So if you're on Instagram at all, check it out. Follow me at Danielle Bean, and let me know your thoughts about the show. First up is from Michelle. Michelle, I happen to know 
in real life because she lives here in New Hampshire. Um, But she sent me this feedback. She says, hi, Danielle, just listened to the episode about failure and I loved it. I am struggling with moving and feeling like maybe if I were stronger, we could stay here and we wouldn't need to move back where our support system is. It's a weird thing, but I'm getting through it. Anyway, what's helping me through is prayer and trust. I'm praying for grace and understanding and the peace that comes along with those. Maybe life here wasn't meant to be forever just for this period of time, and it's been God's plan all along, so I didn't actually fail. And I'm praying for the grace to be at peace and just accept it all. Just my two cents. Thank you for all you do. God bless you, Michelle. Thank you, Michelle, for that feedback. I am happy that the podcast was helpful to you. And I think you're so right that just reframing your situation sometimes is helpful because I don't look at somebody who's deciding to move, even making a decision to move back because they need their support system back home as a failure at all. (laughs) I look at it as a very reasonable thing for a family to do. So I I really do think you're, you, you may be playing some mind games with yourself there, but I like that you're encouraged and that you're looking to kind of reframe it, that it's not a failure. Perhaps was God's plan all along that you just be here in our great state of New Hampshire for a short while. We're going to miss you, of course. Um, But it sounds like you're making a reasonable decision that's best for your family. So we'll be praying along with you. We here at the Girlfriends Community, I want to encourage everyone listening to please pray for Michelle for her peace and her transition to her new life back home where her support system is. And speaking of prayer, I've got another um, email from a listener. Now, I hope I'm saying your name right. Dagmara. Dagmara? Dagmara. Okay, I'm trying them all. I'm going to say Dagmara. Um, D-A-G-M-A-R-A. Anyway, Dagmara says, Hello, Danielle. I have come across your podcast some time ago, and I have truly enjoyed listening to the different episodes. You are so down-to-earth, wise, and I love your energy. Your family is lovely. Thank you for sharing your life and your knowledge, both the practical and spiritual nature. I am a mom to five kids, ranging in age from 11 months to 23 years. Our oldest just got engaged two days ago, so your episode on planning weddings is so timely for me. Thank you. We also have a 20, 16, and a four-year-old. Four girls and one boy. The youngest ones are are our answered prayers and true miracles obtained through Mother Mary's intercession despite my medical diagnosis. Well, congratulations. I think that's beautiful. I am reaching out today with a question regarding kids' health, or rather living with the anxiety of having a child with a medical condition. In one of your episodes that I listened to, you mentioned that your son has cystic fibrosis. How did you and how do you still approach it? Our littlest was just diagnosed with peanut allergy. It's all new to us, and I'm going through a bunch of thoughts and emotions. I do not want us to live in fear, and I don't want it to define her. While there is something, some learning to adjust our food choices, both at home and outside, as well as educating everyone, I want to make it as natural a part of our family as possible with as little drama and stress as possible. The severity of the allergy is unknown, but we need to take all the precautions. Do you have any suggestions, or perhaps your listeners too, for doing my part diligently, but with peace, trust, and joy. So many people live with allergies that I'm confident that with time we'll figure it out. But in the meantime, your input is much appreciated. Thank you so much for your commitment to supporting moms like me. God bless, Dagmara. Well, thank you for sending that in. I really appreciate you thinking of me with that particular question. For sure, I'm not an expert on this, but for sure, it is something that I have struggled with as a mom, not just with our son who has cystic fibrosis, but you know, definitely in an intense way with regard to his diagnosis and adjusting to that back when he was a baby. And then continuing to adjust, and you're going to discover this with your child with the allergy um, that 
their needs with regard to their special conditions change as they grow older. There are some things they're able to kind of take on for themselves, responsibilities they're able to take on themselves. And there's kind of that back and forth between the two of you where you're kind of still balancing your anxieties about allowing them to do new things, allowing them to make choices on their own, allowing them to take responsibility for their care. There is a lot involved there. But I do think this is something that every parent deals with, whether your child has a special medical condition or not. I mean, we're all prone to be anxious about our children, especially with regard to their health and their well-being, some of us more so than others. But I will tell you, Dagmara, that it gets easier. It becomes that what you're describing there, that you want it to be a natural, non-dramatic, you know, not so stressful part of the way you live you will get there. It will become just part of how you function as a family and you won't even think about these things most of the time. You will get there. Um, It just takes some time. And I think give yourself a little bit of patience in the meantime. You know, give yourself the grace of allowing yourself the time you need to adjust to this situation, this new thing, which is big and it's a little bit scary and you're learning a lot. And so it's stressful. And um, there are, you know, adjustments you have to make to the way your family eats or what you're going to do when you go out. And there are accommodations to be made there. So for sure, allow yourself the time to adjust to that and um, just give yourself that grace to sit down in that and recognize that this is a stressful time. This is a time of change. You're learning a lot of new things, but be patient with yourself inside of that and know that it's going to get better. It's going to get easier. Um, you know, even if your child is never cured of this allergy, it's going to be something that you learn to live with without it becoming a debilitating thing. So um, be sure of that, okay? Um, so have confidence in that and allow that to give you peace, even if in the moment you don't quite have that peace yet. And it sounds like you're a very prayerful person. So I'm going to encourage you to just continue to pray and trust and look at this as an opportunity to continually put your trust in God that, you know, every time you're kind of needled by that anxiety throughout your day, um, look at it as a prompt toward just saying a quick prayer and saying, Sacred Heart of Jesus, I place all my trust in you, just turning toward God again and again and again as you're reminded of that anxiety in your moments of anxiety and worry and concern in some of those low moments. But I would really just take it as an opportunity to grow in your relationship of trusting God. It's easy to say we trust God when all is going well and we don't have any issues, but it's during these challenging times that I really feel like we have the opportunity to grow in our relationship with the Lord, to grow closer to Him, to grow in trusting Him, which is what He wants. He loves us so much, and He gives us free will that we might choose to place our trust in Him. We might choose to have that close relationship with Him. And your anxiety is a tool that you can use to nudge you ever closer to Jesus, ever closer to our Lord, who loves you so much and wants to care for you, wants to calm you, wants to give you that peace that you're seeking. He's the source of it. So turning to him again and again and looking at this as an opportunity to kind of grow in that trust in God. And then just lastly, on a more practical point, I would encourage you to find yourself a mentor. Find yourself someone, maybe they haven't dealt with exactly this, but maybe they've dealt with, you know, something similar. Uh, I know, you know, maybe a, a different medical condition won't necessarily apply, but I would find someone, and peanut allergies are common enough that I'm sure you can find somebody in your community who has dealt with this with their child. Maybe their child is is older now and um, they've navigated a lot of these things. And just, you know, connect with that person to be able to ask questions, to be able to just see how they function. I found that was really helpful when 
when my son was very little, um, I, I connected with some people online and one woman in real life who had um, a son with cystic fibrosis who was older, much older than mine. And that was a real source of comfort. I didn't get tons of information necessarily from her, but I did get recommendations. And you know what the most valuable thing was, um, was her just acknowledging that my responses were normal. My anxieties were normal. And that gave me a lot of peace. Like she was saying, you know, oh, I do remember that. You know, she was like, I do remember like lying awake at night. I remember, you know, stressing out about every little cough that he made in the middle of the night or whatever. And I was going through exactly that. So it made me feel much more at peace with the fact that, okay, I'm in a normal stage of this. I'm processing this. I'm going to get to where she is at some point. And, you know, and it just really um, just kind of trusting in God that I was going to get through that. But she was a living a living example of how I could do that. So I would really encourage you to find a mentor. They can also, you know, a person who's been through it can be a great source of information for how do you handle this at school? How do you handle this when your kid goes to camp? How do you handle this um, at sleepovers or any, you know, family gatherings or whatever, you might have questions like that. Um, They might be able to help you because they've gone through it and they're more experienced at it. They might have something that you never even thought of um, that might be really helpful. So, you know, count on your doctors for medical advice, but then really I would encourage you to seek out somebody who can kind of play that mentor role for you. And we'll be praying for you, Dagmara, adding you along with Michelle to our special prayers this week. I always pray for all the listeners of the Girlfriends podcast every week before I begin to record, but I'm going to be adding you, Dagmara, and Michelle to my special prayer intentions. I'm going to encourage other listeners as well. Listeners, if you have a question or something you're struggling with, or you have feedback on today's show, something you want to share about what Olivia had to share with her wonderful, youthful enthusiasm and energy, I would love to hear from you. You can always reach out to me, danielle at daniellebean.com. I'd love to have your voice become a part of the podcast. And the way you can do that is record a voice memo on your phone and just send it to me at danielle at daniellebean.com. And I want to thank you for being a part of today's show. It means so much to me. I am so encouraged by the fact that you listen, that you show up, and that you participate in the community in all the ways that you do. If you have not yet joined us on Facebook, we do have a Facebook group that is devoted just for listeners of the Girlfriends Podcast. It is a closed group. You have to ask permission to join. So it's kind of a safe place where we can share, where you can provide feedback on the episodes, or just ask a question to a group of people who probably share your values for the most part, because we have a lot in common, those of us who connect here on the Girlfriends Podcast. If you are interested in becoming a part of that group on Facebook, you can join us at facebook.com slash groups slash Girlfriends Podcast. And then you just click to request to join and I'll approve you as quickly as I can get you in there. Um, If you can't remember that link, it's fine. Go to the show notes. They're always posted at ascensionpress.com. The link is always included there. So thanks for being here today. If you've enjoyed the show, if you have been enjoying the Girlfriends podcast, please share it with a friend. Let somebody know. Word of mouth is hugely important. It's a big part of the way that we get to grow our community of listeners here at Girlfriends. Thank you for doing that. And until next time, I hope you enjoy your day and God bless your week. Girlfriends is a collaboration between DanielleBean.com and Ascension, the leader in Catholic faith formation. 